right. Am I am I good, Quan? All right. Um, so I think the majority of you probably know me. Um, just really quick, uh, my name is Zach Miley. Um, my wife is Bethany Miley. Um, so I think you're all, I don't know, I think everybody knows me. But I just wanted to say it in case, and there's a live stream. So um, if you want to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 16, we're going to go uh, talk about a, a parable. Um, actually, Pastor Steve, um, if you remember, because the pastors are working through the book of Luke, um, Pastor Steve actually um, hit on this briefly, uh, probably about two months ago now. Um, but in the sermon that he did it, he he hit a couple different chapters, so he didn't go into it as much detail. Um, so in picking a sermon or, or a passage to go over when I was asked to do this, uh, this is one of my favorite passages. Um, and it worked out that Pastor Steve didn't really hit it. And we were working through Luke already, so it was very serendipitous that everything kind of lined up there. Um, so I was very happy for that. Um, so uh, there's, there's a lot of different ways that people learn. I'm, I, I'm, I tend to be a very organized learner. I, I like outlines. I like knowing from the beginning of a lesson, whether it's a sermon or just an education lesson, to know kind of what the point is at the very beginning. Um, so that way, in my mind, I can kind of grab it and I can kind of work through it as we're going through it. So that's what I'm going to do today with you guys. So I want, there's two things before we get into the passage I just wanted to hit quick. Um, the, the main lesson of the passage that we're going to look at in, in Luke chapter 16 uh, the main point is essentially that Christians are to be spiritually shrewd. Um, and then the second thing I wanted to do was I wanted to define shrewd because that's maybe a word that we're not as used to, and I didn't want there to be confusion going into the passage. So um, shrewd can be easily and pretty quickly defined as being marked by clever discernment or awareness. Um, so in other words, someone who's creative, um, someone that's proactive, someone that maybe thinks outside of the box, um, someone that's able to approach situations or scenarios in a way that's able to see a big picture, a whole picture, and kind of work through them uh, to achieve a goal that they have. Um, so at, at the end of the passage, hopefully, we're going to all see a couple different ways that Christians are to be spiritually shrewd. So I wanted to look at, um, we're going to read Luke chapter 16 all the way through to verse uh, 13 eventually. Um, but I just wanted to read verses 1 through 7 at the beginning, um, because that's the actual parable aspect of it, the story part. And then the rest of the ch uh, chapter kind of has some applications uh, to it. So I wanted to read the story part um, quickly, hit on that quick, and then get into the actual application part. So Luke chapter 16, uh, verses 1 through 7. Um, and then just remember, uh, this is Christ speaking, so it's in red. So this is Christ speaking to the disciples. And he was also saying to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and this manager was reported to him as squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do, so that when I am removed from the management, when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their homes." And he summoned each one of his master's debtors and began saying to the first, how much do you owe? And the man who he summoned said, a hundred measures of oil. And he quickly said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. And then verse 7, and he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill 
and write 80. So that's the story essentially, and then verse 8 will kind of conclude it. But before we get into verse 8, um, there's a couple things I want to hit on here. Um, what we see here in, in verses 1 through 7 is somebody who is very focused on self-preservation. He sees that because of actions that he did incorrectly, he's going to lose his job. And because of that situation, he needs to immediately act so he can kind of save his own skin and figure out a situation to help himself out. We can say that's good. We can say that's bad, probably bad, because he put himself in this situation to begin with. But either way, that's the situation that's going on. It's someone that's He's got to figure it out, and he's got to figure it out now. He doesn't have time to kind of waste. He's got to hurry up and come up with a plan because he knows he's going to kind of be stuck because he's not going to have any more income, and he still has stuff to do. Um, so that's the situation. Um, and then second of all, verses 6 and 7, the two different people that he went to, um, it, we're, we're obviously in a different culture now. So talking about measures of wheat, and, and the measures of oil is something that maybe we don't understand as much now. Um, I, don't, I don't go to my boss and ask for 100 measures of wheat, of wheat you know, and I don't get that for, for debts. I don't owe 100 measures of wheat to anybody. And if I did, that, I don't know, that might be a lot. Um, in that time, okay, that could be, that was a decent amount of wages. Obviously, wages were different then than they are now. It's a, it's a different kind of a society, um, more farm-centric than we are here. Um, and, and for reference, I don't know the exact numbers, um, but those are decent amounts of income, uh, months, maybe years worth of, of income for people. So it was a lot of money. So just for reference, when he's saying here, um, how much do you owe in verse 6, and he's essentially cutting it in half, that's a lot. It's, it's a good bit. Imagine a $100,000 mortgage, and he's saying you now only owe 50000 okay, for context. It's, it's a decent amount of savings that he's doing here. Um, so verse number 8, and the master, which is the rich man, praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. Now, before we get into the rest of it, let's just, let's just think about this from a logical standpoint, okay? And put yourself in the place of the rich man. And remember what just happened in verses 6 and 7. And remember the context that we have of the amount of money that this would have been. If you were the rich man, would you have had the same reaction there of, good job. <laughs> you just essentially stole half of or a third of my income from me after I was going to fire you because you were doing your job incorrectly. And what's interesting here is that he praises him, and what the point that we're hitting on is he praises him not because he was he because what he did was a good thing, okay? He praises him, verse number eight, because he had acted shrewdly. And then let's get into the into the point here that Christ is trying to make, and then we're going to see application in verses nine through eleven. For the sons of this age, which are unbelievers are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light, than Christians. So what he's saying here, essentially, is that unbelievers are more shrewd than believers are. And now this is obviously not Christ commending the dishonesty of this person, but he's, he's reinforcing the fact to the disciples that shrewdness is a thing that we should have as believers. Um, 
So some, an, an author said, and, and I'm going to quote it because it's a long quote and it's a really, really good, and I don't want to paraphrase it. He says, the children of this world, men and women whose end and aims are bound by the horizon of this world, people who only pretty much see the here and now, right, who only live for this life, how much more painstaking and skillful are they in their working for the perishable things of this world than the children of light, Christians, in their noble toiling after the things of the life to come? The former which are the unsaved people, appear even more in earnest in their search after what they desire than do the latter, Christians. So what they're saying here, essentially, is unbelievers are working harder for things that really don't matter than Christians are working for things that actually do matter. And clearly that's an issue. Clearly there's a problem with that dichotomy. Um, so what we're going to see here, and the point that Christ is trying to make, is that believers should be spiritually shrewd by being eternally focused. And we're going to have three different applications here um, as we go through the passage in verses 9 through 10, or 9 through 13 here, um, to see what that means to be spiritually true by being eternally focused. So verse number 9, if you want to look at that, and I say to you, once again, now this is, this is not the story anymore, okay, this is not the parable anymore, this is the application, so now, he's now specifically talking to the disciples, I mean, he was talking to the disciples before, but this is the application part of the parable, and I say to you, make friends for yourself by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. So, point number one that I have in my three applications is believers who are spiritually shrewd use their resources for eternal purposes. Believers who are spiritually shrewd use their resources for eternal purposes. We are, as Christians, according to verse 9, to make friends for eternal purposes. And this is, we're going to see, this is also through and by the use of our resources, and we'll talk about that. But making friends for eternal resources, or for eternal purposes may be construed as social gospel. For those of you that understand what social gospel is, um, we're not talking about that, okay? That is helping people for the sake of helping them because it's a good thing to do um, and reaching their physical needs and reaching their emotional needs. And this is from a Christian's perspective, but not addressing their spiritual needs, okay? Or maybe also kind of addressing their spiritual needs, but really being focused on the spiritual and the emotional issues that are around. Not that those are bad things. Certainly, it's good to help people. It's, it's, we're commanded to help people. Okay, that's a good thing to do. But obviously, especially as Pastor Steve even mentioned this morning, that's not the main purpose of the church, right? The main purpose of the church is the gospel. Um, so we're, we're not talking about social gospel here when we're saying make friends for eternal purposes. Um, but it's we're, our goal in being disciple makers, in talking to our neighbors, in, in being a good testimony at work, in, in building these relationships in the community, is ultimately so we can have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. It's not just to be a good person. It's not just to be nice. It's not just to be good friends. It's not just, it, just to be gaining popularity in the community, all these different things, it's, it's to share the gospel with them. So, and, and then it goes on, and it says, by the means of wealth of the unrighteousness, um, which is by the means of these temporal, earthly things that we have, um, this, and, and obviously in this regard, it would refer to money, um, wealth, okay, is money, um, 
but I would go even farther, and I think the passage is going to go farther as we go along, in saying in the use of, of things that are not eternal, but things that are temporal, and that could be, um, that could be obviously our finances are, are a big thing here, um, but that could be our time, and that could be just in general the resources that we've been given, so our house, um, uh, just there's a lot of obviously application with these things, the temporal things that we have. How are we using them and why are we using them? And the motivation that we should have is we should be using them for eternal purposes in that our goal in using the resources that God has given us is to help people further understand the gospel and to open doors so we can share the gospel. Um, so so I, th I think it's important for us to, to have a... And, and we talk about this pretty regularly at Grace. Um, the pastors do a fantastic job at this. And I think just in general, as a disciple-making church, this is a, this is a, a point of conversation. Um, but just as a reminder, are we going out each and every day spiritually and eternally focused on how am I going to impact someone from a spiritual and eternal per um, perspective today? How am I going to use the things that I've been given today to reach someone Spiritually, how are, how are my conversations today and how is my time today and how are the things that I've been given today going to impact somebody? Um, and that needs to be at the forefront of our minds and Christ clearly and obviously um, wants to have that at the forefront of our minds. Um, referring back a little bit, I have another point that's not necessarily in verse 9, but I think it's important um, to point out and I wanted to point it out this point before we get any further. Um, because, because as we saw in the story, there was, a, there was an urgency that this man had because he understood that something bad was coming down the, down the train, right, because of what he did, and it was coming quickly. Um, and he had an urgency to kind of figure it out and kind of change his situation, and he wanted to do it sooner than later because he didn't want to get, you know, even more trouble than he currently was in. Um, and I think Christians should have that exact same urgency. And I think, I think that's something that we struggle with. I know that's something that I struggle with, especially being 29 years old and looking at my life. Um, Lord, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, the Lord can come back tomorrow, right? But, you know, the, the national average for males is mid-70s, mid to late-70s. So I have a long life ahead of me from, a, from an earthly standpoint. So that urgency is something that I struggle with being 29 years old, okay? Um, but I think, I think it's important for us to remember that Christ could come now, you know, immediately. Um, I, I had a couple of verses um, that, you, and you don't need to turn, I just wanted to hit them really quick. Romans chapter 18, verse 9, speaks of creation waiting earnestly for Christ to come. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 5, mentions that the Lord is at hand. James 5, 8, Revelations 1, 3, and Revelation 22, 10, each state that the time is near. Luke 12, 40, goes as far as saying as that we need to be ready, because he's going to come when we don't expect him to come. So, we don't know. And and because we don't know, we should have an urgency, but we typically tend to not have an urgency because there's so much stuff going on in, in, in our lives that we, we frankly have to focus on, okay? Life isn't just going to end. There's things that we have to do. There's responsibilities that we have um, that we need to focus on, but we really do need to have that urgency 
on, on how am I using my things and what's my focus and what's my motivation in using the things that God's given me. Um, because what does the return of Christ signal for unbelievers? Judgment, right? And that's a big deal. And that's something that we shouldn't put off. Because all the people that you know that are not saved, that's, that is their reality the moment Christ comes back. And that's a, that's a big thing. Um, so the, the opportunity that we have, we shouldn't be putting it off. We, that, that's selfish and rude and mean to put that opportunity off to share the gospel with other people. That's, that's a bad thing to do. Um, so I, th I think we need, to, we need to be better at that. Um, and, and I don't think that that's the main point of this passage, but I think that's a really good and important application that I think is, 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 is important for us to grab, and I really want to make that point. So, um, so think of the use um, in regards to how we use, our, how we use our, our resources to make friends and tend to encourage people. Um, I wanted to come up with an application that was very specific, um, and, and this is something that my wife and I do. Um, uh, think of the use of our homes specifically, which, which is a possession that we have, um, to house people when they come, right? Our church does a lot of things where we have college students come, we have other pastors come, um, we have the events throughout the year where people come, uh, missionaries come and stay, and they need places to stay. And one of the opportunities that my wife and I um, were able to do in our house, we just, we just added a bathroom in our house, and the, the purpose that we added a bathroom in our house was partially selfish in that we didn't want to have to share a bathroom, but it was also so when people come, they can be more refreshed, right? And then we're not fighting over one single bathroom. Is they can have their own space, and it can just be more relaxing for them. And they can, then the richers know they lived in that house. It was tight with people, right? So you don't want to share a bathroom with a bunch of people. So it was, we, we want to give them an opportunity because we like housing people, and we want it to be relaxing for them. We want them to be refreshed when they come. We want it to be a time of enjoyment for them, a time of, that they can kind of have that peace. Um, because the Lord has given us the opportunity to be five minutes from church, so it's nice and easy. And the Lord's given us an opportunity to have a house where we can house people. So we want to take that opportunity and use the resource that he's given us to be that ministry um, to other people. And obviously then that extends out to how do we use our home to even minister to our neighbors, right? And to our coworkers that aren't saved. Well, I work at church, Bethany works at Christian school. So maybe not our coworkers that aren't saved, but the, our family members that aren't saved as they come and visit. Um, so... I think that's important. So point number one, I'm going to go back in my thing to make sure I say it right. Believers who are spiritually shrewd are using their resources for eternal purposes. Point number two, which is in verses 10 through 11, is believers who are spiritually shrewd are faithful stewards of the temporal things that God's given them so they can be faithful stewards of the eternal things. Um, so verse number 10 through 12, I want to read it quick, and then we'll hit it. Um, verse number 10, he who is faithful in very little is faithful and also in much. And he who is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of righteous wealth, unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So verse 10 should essentially be understood as a general proverb. And then we kind of see the applications following. So verses uh, 11 and 12 clearly do teach um, finance. And a lot of times this passage is, is taken strictly to, to 
apply strictly to finance. And obviously that is one of the applications that it does apply to, but I think that would be, we would be remiss if we didn't apply it to other things. Um, so some of the resources that I think we've been given um, that I think it also refers to um, is our time, our possessions in general, like we've talked about with our house and things, our influence in the community, our different relationships that we have, clearly our finances, and might I even say even our health, because that's something that we've been given, right, from the Lord, is each and every day I wake up and I have the opportunity to take a breath. And I think, I think it's improper for us to not take care of our bodies in the fact that that allows us, one, more time on the earth when I'm taking care of my bodies, and if I'm on the earth for longer, I have more opportunities to share the gospel with more people, okay? Also, that allows me more opportunities to get out and do things and potentially meet more people, okay? If I'm stuck in my house because I don't feel well all the time and I can't go out and do anything, then I'm only ministering to my wife, and she's already saved. So that's not doing much as far as the eternal gospel presentation, okay? So me getting out into the community and having the opportunity to get out into the community because I'm taking care of my health, I think is an important point. Um, so these things, how, do we, how are we using them? How are we taking care of these, these temporal things that we have? Um, obviously, there's a focus on the eternal here in this passage, and we want to focus on that eternal. But what this passage is saying here is, is in verse 11, if you've not been faithful in the use of temporal things, things that ultimately don't matter in the end, how can you possibly be counted faithful to, to take care of things that actually do matter? If you're not handling your finances well, who's going to trust you to take care of things that actually do matter? If your house is a pigsty and it looks horrible, you're not going to be able to minister to your neighbors, right? If, if, you, if you don't have any... If, I'm going to hit the finances thing because clearly that's finance and I, I like finance and I'm a finance-minded person. If you're not taking care of your finances, you're not going to be able to maybe even have a house to minister to people. You're not going to be able to have the opportunity to give to the church, right? Um, which is not only a command, right? But then it's a blessing for other people. You're not going to have the opportunity to, when, when these situations come up in the church, to go above and beyond and minister to a person in our church who's going through a hard time, right? We prayed for the bears, and when they're going through this thing, we're able to minister to them in multiple different ways, but I think primarily through the aspect of food, giving them food. We're not going to have the money to buy food, so you can't cook them anything, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's all these small things, but there's a lot of these things that over time, if you're not managing the things that you've been given from a temporal standpoint, you're limiting greatly the opportunity that you have to minister to other people. Um, so these, these temporal things that, that might not matter in the long run are important because ultimately, whose are they? They're the Lord's. And this manager here in, in verses 1 through 7, another word for that, another term for that could be steward, Right, And we all should be stewards. And what is a steward? Somebody who manages someone else's stuff. Well, we as Christians are all stewards because I don't own anything. Nothing is mine. It's all given to me on loan from the Lord. And I should be taking care of the things that he's given me to a level that, that meets his standards. That, that, that he would want me to do that, right? If, if you're a parent and you have your own vehicle and you loan that to your child to use to drive to and from work, you would expect them to take care of that, right? And you would expect them to take care of it well, to keep it clean, to keep the gas in it, to not get in an accident and hit a tree, okay? All these things, 
because it's an important thing and it's yours. The Lord expects us to do the exact same thing with all the stuff that he's given us, and he's given us a lot. And I think it would be improper for us to minimize that, um, and this passage certainly doesn't minimize that. But then it goes even farther, and it says if we're not being faithful in the things that don't matter at the end of the day, how can we possibly be counted worthy to take care of things that actually do matter? These things that are in eternity, the things that are going to happen, things that are going to come once we are in eternity with our Lord. We can't. The answer is no, we can't. You can't be counted faithful. So we want to do well in the things that he's given us on a temporal standpoint. So that way, when we get to eternal, um, when we get to eternity, verse 11, and we are given the true riches, these true wealth things, these things that are promised to us in eternity, then we are going to be counted faithful then, too, because we did a good job on the earth as God gave us time here. Um, so I had another quote here um, because I like quotes and people say things a lot better than I can. Um, Martin Luther said, Therefore, we must use all these things on the earth in no other way than a guest who travels through the land and comes to a hotel where he must lodge overnight. He takes only food and lodging from the host, and he says not that the property of the host belonged to him. Just so should we also treat our temporal possessions as if they're not ours and enjoy them only so much as they give us nourishment to our body and then help our neighbors with the balance. Thus the life of a Christian is only a lodging for the night since we have no continuing city but must journey on to heaven where the Father is. We, that, and that's obviously an extreme, right? That's an extreme, okay? Uh, which, not an improper extreme, but that's an extreme view. This is all so temporal, and we should view it as we only have it for a night because it doesn't matter. And yes, in our, in our human standpoint, 80 years, 70 years is a long time. So maybe that's a little extreme you know, from, a, from an actual practical day-to-day -day perspective. But that's the mentality that I think we should have to it. So, so how are we actually managing the possessions that God's given us? Are you being faithful with the things that you've been entrusted? With faithfulness... Faithfulness is not qualified via the amount that we manage, right? But it's by the character of the steward that's managing it, okay? It doesn't matter if you have a million dollars or if you have two pence like the widow in, in, in the Bible, right? You can manage the, them the same way, okay? It, it's not the, the amount that you have. It's, it's how you're managing what you've been given. A believer who lives with eternity in focus cannot do anything but be faithful since he or she understands the gravity of its usefulness. Um, a practical point here also is that in order to use, and I made this point already, but I wanted to hit it again, is in order to use the finances correctly that we have or the possessions that we have, we need to actually have them, right? So if I'm not managing them well, I'm going to lose them, and then I'm going to lose all opportunities to use them to minister, okay? So I think we need to be very careful with how we, how we use our time, our finances, our resources, our, our, our relationships in the community, all these different things. We need to be very aware of how we're doing them on a daily basis because we don't know the opportunities that we're going to have with them. You don't know when something's going to pop up. Okay? You, who knows? Something could come up tomorrow that you're not expecting because you have an opportunity because you're using your resources correctly and wisely. All right, so number three, final point. Believers who are spiritually shrewd are fully committed to God alone. And this is in verse 13, a very familiar passage. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. And what's interesting about this is it does not say you shouldn't 
serve God in wealth. It says you cannot. There, it's like it's, there's not an option. Right? You, can't, you can't do it. it, it it's, it's, it's essentially saying it mix, it, the, the opportunity that we have the, here, the, the relationship between these two things is like oil and water. They don't mix. Right, you can pour them in, and eventually they're going to separate because they just don't work together. We, we cannot serve God and money and possessions and ourselves insert whatever outside of God. You can't do that at the same time. You're either doing one or you're doing the other. Um, another author said these two are diametrically opposed. The one commands you to walk by faith. The other one to walk by sight. The one commands you to be humble. The other one to be proud. The one to set your affections on things above. The other one to set the things on earth. The one to look at things that are unseen and eternal. The other to look at things that are seen and temporal. The one to have your conversation in heaven. The other to cleave it to the dust. The one to be careful for nothing. The other to be full of anxiety. The one to be content with such things as you have. The other one to enlarge your desires. The one to be ready to distribute. The other to withhold. The one to look at things of others. The, the other to look at things of yourself. The one to seek happiness in the creator. The other to seek happiness in the creature. Is it not plan, plain? There is no serving two masters. They are so different. Like polar opposites. You, they don't work together. You can't do it. So where, where is your focus? Are, are, you, are you fully and wholly committed to God? Because if you're not, everything that we said before that is going to be of no avail. It's going to be, you're not going to be able to do it. Because you're going to be divided and you're not going to have the right motivation and the right focus on the things that we talked about before. So this is so important as you go forward. And then I want to have one more clarification before I concluded. Is that this passage is not, and I, and I, and I did hit on this in, in the second point. But this passage is not saying that we shouldn't have a focus on finances. I think some people see this passage and kind of take it to the extreme and say, well, you shouldn't worry about your finances at all. Um, and I think that's incorrect um, because obviously there's times where you need to have a, a, an understanding of your finances. Okay, If you're going to buy a house, you need to know what's going on with the finances. If you're going to make an investment in your child's college, you need to know what's going on. I mean, there's times if you're going to buy a car, these things that happen, you, you, there are times that you need to have an understanding of your finances. So I, didn't, I just wanted to make that clear. I don't think there was any issues in this room, but I just wanted to make it clear. Um, and then also... Just, just in general, money cannot be the thing that drives us. Um, are we content without it? I think that's something that we really need to think through. And just in general, with all of our temporal things, how do we work without those things? If you think of First uh, Timothy chapter six with Paul, and he's saying, "I can be content both in hunger and in starvation," and and he gives all the, he gives a number of different things where he's giving the dichotomy of this one and this one good and bad, and he's saying at the end of the day, Christ was enough for me, and I was content in both situations. Do we actually have that in our lives, and, and how, do we, how do we work when we're in those kind of situations? Because they do come up, where we, where we go through times of trial and tribulation, and we are struggling on different things. Um, so, how about you? Are you eternally focused, and using the resources that you've been given for eternal purposes, or are you just living your day going about your things, which isn't, I'm not, not, not sinful, right, okay, it's not bad, but it's not best, okay, and we, we want best, right, we want to do what, what is most agreeable for the Lord. Um, 
Are you being a faithful steward of the temporal things that God's given you? Are you taking care of the here and now? Are you doing well with your finances? Are you doing well with your house? Are you doing well with your health? All these different things that might not seem that important in the grand scheme of things really are because they're, they're still things that God's given us and they're still things that God expects us to take care of well. Um, and I think all of us probably agree we want to do the things that God wants to do it. God wants us to do and we want to do them well. And one of those things is to manage the things that he's given us. Um, so how are you doing with those things? And then are you fully committed to God? And clearly nobody in this room can say that's 100% of the time, but hopefully we're all working toward that. And in the words of Pastor Tim, hopefully we're winning more battles than we're losing. All right? And you're seeing more times than not where you are working toward having that relationship with God, and that is the main focus. And, and, and clearly that, that's never going to be 100%. And, and we're always progressing. We're always becoming more sanctified. And, we're, and, and no matter how old we get, we're still never going to hit that point until we are finally in heaven with Christ. Um, but but that's, that's an important thing for us to realize. So the, disan- the dishonest manager in this passage, he faced a reality, and he, really, he refused to live with his head in the sand. He did something fast, and if he didn't, he'd be out in the street. So he used all of his intelligence, his wit, and his energy to ensure that the temporal earthly comfort that he had would stay because he didn't want to lose it. It was important to him. So in contrast, the sons of light, the Christians, stand on the edge of eternity but lack the vision, foresight, and strength of will to do anything about it, especially in our relationships with other people because at the end of the day, it's not important enough to us because we have other things to focus on. So we need to readjust our focus and our priorities and work toward the end of goal of honoring God by using the things that he has given us for eternal purposes and build those relationships and build those opportunities to share the gospel because that is why we're here. We're not here to enjoy life and praise the Lord. He gives us a lot of opportunities to do so and we, and, and we should enjoy life because he, he's blessed us with a lot of things. But that's not why we're here. <laughs> not. We're here to share the gospel with people. And we're here to tell people that they're going to hell if they don't have Jesus Christ. And I pray that that is our motivation each and every day. And that our actions each and every day are, are with that in mind. Or that our conversation each and every day is with that in mind. That the way we're managing the resources that we have is with that in mind. So that each and every day, when we lie down in bed to go to sleep, we can say, I did everything in my power today that God gave me in every opportunity to share the gospel and to further his kingdom. Because that's what each and every one of us wants. And sadly, a lot of stuff comes up throughout the day that distracts us. So we need to work on this. And this is something that we consistently need to work on. So... This is one of my favorite passages because it's such a reminder to me (laughs) about how much I need to work on. Um, So I hope it was an encouragement to you. I hope it was a challenge to you. And I hope that this is something that as a church family, we can encourage one another to do. Because it's so much harder to do things by yourself. And we don't have to. We don't have to. We, We have other Christians here to encourage us to do so. So why, why would we not take that opportunity? to not only take encouragement, but be the encouragement to somebody else. You don't know what someone else is going through. Get out of your comfort zone and go encourage somebody else today and, and go ask somebody how, how you can help them because 
there, there could be many, many blessings out there for you and for other people that you're just not taking the opportunity to see. So I pray that that was an encouragement to you. I pray that it was a challenge. I'd like to pray quick. And I don't know if Pastor Steve's going to come up or not, but I'd like to pray, and then we can see what happens. All right. Lord, thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity that we had to, to come to church tonight. I thank you uh, for the fantastic weather that we've had uh, lately and, and, and just the opportunity to get outside and enjoy creation, um, be able to put all the flowers in everywhere and see the beauty that that provides and the smells and, and, the, and the creation with all the butterflies and everything. It's just a wonderful thing to see all this creation. And I pray that, I pray that we would be... We would not be distracted by everything that's going on in our lives and, and everything that's going on in the world politically and, and health-wise and all these different things. But I pray that we would, at the end of the day, have a focus on you and have a focus on the things that actually matter um, and that our goals and our, and our desires would be in line with you and that we would be putting the effort in where it's important um, so that way we have opportunities to share the gospel and we're prepared when those opportunities arise when we're not expecting them to share the gospel um, and to use the resources that we've had to build those relationships um, with other people um, and to bless, and, and, and not just in, from the unsaved perspective, but to bless other Christians and to use the things that we have to be a blessing to, to, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, so I pray that you would encourage everybody in this room that we would walk through this together as a church family, that this would not be something that we do individually, but that we would be open and honest with the struggles that we're having, that we would be open and honest with the conversations that we're having with other people, and that this would be something that the church as a whole would be able to get better at um, each and every day. And we thank you again for the opportunity to be here. Thank you again for the beautiful weather, and I pray that you'd give us a good rest of the evening, a safe drive home, in your name, 